makes the greats great? What makes the successful successful? What makes the brilliant brilliant? Our Tuesday meetups with the celebrities of pharma industry and science are your one-stop shop to all these answers and more. Join us for Pies of Life, an initiative of the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program, where we bring your dream mentors to you. to learn but you know we as human beings can learn things very quickly on the job so even though all of the work was very complicated the longer you're there the more um skilled you become at it so at a certain point i could go into work and do all of these jobs even though my heart wasn't in it and i was doing it for the paycheck and for my own mental health and physical health i would take yoga classes on the side in philadelphia so in my mind, I said, instead of paying this X amount of money to take individual yoga classes, let me just pay a lump sum of money to do a yoga teacher training in Philly while I was working so I can just learn to teach myself. Like I had no intention of teaching public classes. Mm. So I did one, loved it, and was still continuing to work. And then there was just a time where the tipping point kind of hit you know when you there's like a moment where you say this job or this um course just isn't lining up with how i want to exist in the world and not everyone has the luxury of helping what they have but mm -hmm. i was fortunate enough that um through circumstances i could you know i had savings i could i I'm lucky enough to be able to have any support with Lynn and with Baba there. So I was able to leave my job and then start teaching classes full time. And by no means was it like the first time that I taught a class, I was making salary. My first paycheck was $72 for an entire month. Like I couldn't even buy, you know, like a sweatshirt with it. But I had set my structure up so that there was six months of time that I could make $72 a month and not be hungry. And then eventually over time, things started to pick up. And it, now I've been doing it for six years, full time, full time, not 40 hours a week, but full time for a yoga teacher in the sense that I don't do anything else work wise. Um, but I think always in my life, there's always a thread that each and every one of us have that, you know, when you've done something as a kid, be it a craft or movement or connection or relationship that fuels who you are as a person and somehow throughout your life because of responsibilities it might get pushed to the wayside because you have to pay your bills you have to take care of people um but having people and sharing people sharing with people the ability to get more in touch with their body through yoga through movement through exercise has consistently been something that I've loved. And now I'm lucky enough that all of it is merging together at once through yoga. So I might not treat teach in like the traditional way that, um, you know, BKS Iyengar taught or the gurus or masters of yoga taught, but there's a fit for every single person. You know, the people who vibe with your energy will find you and they'll stay with you. And then they resonate with the message that you have, like very similarly to this group. There's an energy 
for whatever reason that keeps drawing you back to these meeting sessions and then Baba feeds off of your energy too. And it's yeah, similar science interests, similar mentalities. It's the need to want to glean information, but it's also like there's an inexplicable vibe, you know, that you get. And there's you can't always put words to it, but it's something that's there. So that the longest answer to your very short question <laughs> is there is a vibe, an energy that called me to teaching. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> can't be seen, but can be felt. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Any any other questions? I know. Uh... Uh, yes, I want to ask one thing. Hi, Anisha. Uh, like my question is like, what are the things in sort like which you admire and that help you to get motivated? Things or people, anything? anything of Narayan sir which helps you to get motivated which you admire sir well you know just you see um, Baba has done this thing for years where he has um, before internet was a thing before email or digital was a thing when he moved to the US um, he would take monthly pictures. I don't know if you guys have seen the summary or he's talked to you about it, but it has transformed into something completely different now. Um, but he would take film pictures and every month or every six months, he would send a mail package of it to my grandparents, to his parents. And so for the last 35 years, we have these photographic, like a time capsule of his life, my mom's life, my life, just like anyone has photo albums um, that are curated, that are um, in chronological order with explanations and descriptions of where we were, when we were. And the motivation is every once in a while, I'll look back on those pictures and I'll look back on these generational family pictures that we have. And it's just such a reminder that not everything I have now can be taken for granted, if that makes sense. Like if he wasn't in the picture, this life that I have would be very different than what it is now. Like not only would I not be in existence, but um, the, you know, the freedom, the ability to be who I am wouldn't exist. So that's a big driving motivation to constantly be reminded of Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice because a uh, father and a daughter relationship is so strong. Like we can uh, rely on them like totally. Exactly. Yeah. Does everyone's family live close to where you are? Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying this is the first time since I was 18 that we've lived in the same area because I've always been in Philly and then he was in California or then in India. And even though we'd see each other often, it's a different dynamic when you live driving distance away or within the same region. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Anisha. This is Prajita. Uh, sorry, I got a little bit late. Uh, so I just wanted to ask you, did you ever felt any kind of pressure 
uh, being sir your father like you know he's a big scientist and definitely you are also doing uh, great in your field and all so uh, did it affect you like you know or uh, taking you know, any of your decision like you when you wanted to leave your uh, say research and join yoga or something so did that yeah, I mean, absolutely, especially when I was working in the previous lab that I was working in. He was, you know, everybody knew his name. Everyone knew my last name. There was an expectation to have a certain understanding of the field, which I did not at all. You know, like I walked into that lab barely knowing what a T-cell was. I mean, I knew because I'd studied it, but I had no idea how to do anything with it. Um, but. I was pretty bottom of the totem pole, you know, in that lab, like I was just a little flick. Um, and so it was easy to skirt under the radar for me, <laughs> not to devalue his importance, but it was very easy for me to kind of just do a job and then go home. But had I, I mean, there's of course some internal pressure. I don't know if it was um, a pressure in the lab, but an internal pressure to live up to the legacy and to the name and all of the interest and research that he has, I was definitely there. But at the end of the day, I kind of knew that my, for better or for worse, that my heart truly wasn't in it. I was doing it because it was the carved out path for me that was a great path, you know, had I continued to pursue it. There's no, um, It, it just was it took me a long time to realize it wasn't the right fit for me and that yeah, even though I'm, even though we are related and there's genetics in play it took a lot of time and a lot of struggle for me to deviate from yeah. that path actually i just remembered not only were you in carl june's lab but you were also in jim wilson's lab and don Cohn's lab yeah. in uh, in ucla so it's not one she was in three major international the top of the line labs during her internship. But the thing, the the difference is like now in retrospect, I know and I understand. But when I was in it, I was 18, 19, 20, and I didn't realize the impact or the scale that these labs had. In my mind, I was like, just got to get it on my resume, figure out my master's, my next step, this, 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 you know, like go to achieve what was coming up next. And really, I wasn't figuring out what, uh, in what, impact I wanted to have in the world. So I, I, the pressure was significantly more internal than anything. Yeah, but you should listen to your heart that that's more important. So you took the right decision. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes it's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know um, Rai and Shalaka and all you joined a little later, but you oh. Anyone, actually anyone, if anyone has a question. No, no. Actually, I missed starting part. So, uh, I'll ask, I'll ask. <laughs> I'll get back to you. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Actually, I had the same question which someone asked, actually, how you took decision to change your field. But that is already answered. And the other thing about it that I've had to restructure, you know, because in the science field, seeing Baba's career, seeing all of these family friends career 
if you choose one career path and work like upwards to stay in that field. But I think what I'm slowly realizing in my life, at least, like even Lynn is has stayed in the same field and is working to become the top tier in their field. But the thing that I've had to change that you guys probably know already is people can have multiple careers throughout their lives. You know, like you can be an expert in this field and then completely drop it and then become something else. And it doesn't have to be a hobby. It can be a full experience in a career field. So I think that took me a long time to understand and realize um, that the, our lives are very long. You know, and it doesn't, yeah, exactly. they don't start when everyone else's starts. They also don't end when everyone else's end. So we're not working towards becoming 65 and retiring and then just sitting. Even after that, there's going to be a whole different career and a life that everyone has that's fulfilling. So in a sense, I feel like I'm in the second wave of like 40 more waves that I have coming up. <laughs> and you might feel the same way, like this path that you're on leads you to great realization that maybe this isn't what you want to do anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, any other question? I... Yeah. I have one more, if, if that's okay, yeah. yeah um, uh, okay, after you then Purna, okay. Oh yeah, she she can go ahead. No problem. Uh, okay, uh, I would just like to know whether uh, so how exactly you know first learning yoga then teaching yoga has changed your life. Well, yeah, in many ways. Um, I working in a lab behind the scenes. I mean, this is kind of the shtick that I say to everyone, but you're very isolated. You know, you're. Obviously, you have coworkers. Obviously, you have mentors and bosses. But at the end of the day, you are in your own brain, working on cells, and kind of um, I was at least spending a lot of time alone. And yeah, you have a lot of impact to humanity because all of the work that you're doing is going to transform someone's life. But I found that. I was much more engaged and stimulated with human to human contact. So every time I would take a yoga class, even before I started teaching, there's just an experience in my body of being so in my body, you know, like being able to um, control movements, to control breath, to understand all of these subtle signals that my body was telling me that felt so empowering that I instantaneously knew if I can figure out a way to share this with someone else, like, I, of course, I want to have this, give this experience to other people. And it's um, sometimes very drastic. Occasionally, it's much more subtle. But the ability to own your body, to be in a relationship with yourself before anyone else, to understand why you are the way that you are, was a feeling that I'd never gotten anywhere else. And now, um, teaching it to people and most recently hearing a lot of positive feedback like you know it's always nice to hear good things about yourself but especially during the pandemic when um i haven't taught a single person in person it's all been online 
and people are still coming back. They're still receptive. They're still telling me like everything that you're saying is wildly helpful. Um, so it, it, it's very liberating. It's very life-changing. And even sometimes when you feel like nothing you're doing is making a big difference, you don't even realize the ripple effect that you're causing in people's lives until, you know, somebody shares it with you. So in that sense, it has completely changed my life in the way that I'm always thinking about how I'm moving in space, how I can take care of myself and how um, I can just, the, the um, golden standard that I have is there's a yoga class that I was taking and there's a 72 year old person who takes the class and she does handstands in the middle of the room. I can't do a handstand at all, um, but the goal for me is to become that. So right now I'm not in my peak. I'm still working towards having this lifelong practice and having it built into my life to make me get better as I get older. And it bleeds onto other people, you know? Like everyone who you're around becomes aware of themselves even more. So in that sense, changed my life 1,000%. Uh, if I can add a few things here, and Anisha, I'll, if, if you don't mind, uh, you, can, you can do this, you can say something about Durga, I'm going to tell you. Uh, so, you know, it, it should have been so obvious to me, but it wasn't ob that obvious. It only occurred to me later on, uh, in, in maybe five years ago, when Anisha started, when I started taking classes, um, uh, yoga classes, but Anisha was teaching, that, uh, you know, our scriptures, you know, our Hindu scriptures or whatever scriptures that we learn, Ramayana, Mahabharata, and, and you know everything is actually a manifestation. The way one interpretation of the manifestation of all of those stories is every character in that play is you only. You are you are Bhim, you are Sita, you are Ravan, you are everyone. Every character is you at different stages of your life, right? It's basically human personality presented in different ways. That percept that that perspective of these uh, uh, mythological stories, uh, I didn't realize till five years ago. And that started only when Anisha was teaching the classes and I said, Oh my God, this is a completely different interpretation. that I never thought I never knew. So maybe if this is an example, if you just for two minutes, tell about the Durga story that you tell <laughs> just and yeah, I mean, you know, you guys all probably know this story. I've heard the story. I uh, take it from um, these guys when I was a kid. There was no like uh, Hindu studies school in the rural country towns that we lived in. So the way that they were like, you, you need the culture is they would give me the Amar Chitra Katha comic books and say like, here's the one of Durga, here's Hanuman, here's Ramayana. And I've saved them and I read them as a kid and now rereading them as an adult. It's, you know, like you said, um, they're all of every character in the story is every version of us, the good, the evil, and even in between. And these stories have happened just like the human condition. They have happened for thousands and thousands of years. And although yes, we are each an individual and have different personalities and qualities, Almost all of the stories that we're living through have happened before. So that's why history is great. That's why all these texts are great. So the very watered down um, version of the Buddha stories that I share 
for all of October when it's Nivati, light will tell a different story of her and then weave it into a yoga class of how we are Durga, how we are the warrior, how we are, um, uh, you know, every quality of her. But I'll start, uh, one of the stories is this, you know, once upon a time there was um, Mahisha Asura, the demonic god, the water buffalo. And the first, very first picture in the comic book is he's in Vrikshasana on a mountain. He's doing tree pose and praying to the gods. And seeing that as an adult, when I read it as a five-year-old kid, I was like, mind was blown. Anyway, um, you know, he is a great demon. He is doing all of his penances to get the attention of the gods. So the story here is even very evil characters deserve their power because they are also doing the work to get their power. Does that make sense? Like they're not just sitting by on the couch thinking of how evil they can be. They are systematically creating havoc and chaos and torture in order to become more powerful. So that's one example of how we are every character in the story. So Mahisha Asura, he, wa he wants the boon to be immortal, to never be killed by any man or demon, thinking that he can never be destroyed by a goddess. And so he destroys the kingdoms, he takes the seat of the gods, and then they pray to Durga to emerge. And she slowly comes, and my, the story that I share describes all the weapons that she holds, that she rides on the back of a lion, um, that she always has that very serene face. And Mahisha Asura starts to come, in his water buffalo form, he attacks her as the snake, as the tiger, and as his 15 different animals. And very swiftly, she starts to defeat every demon. And then she kills him at the end of the story, like we all know. And the very simple yet effective parallel that I share is that our modern day demons exist in many different forms. You know, our modern day demons, it's not a water buffalo that is attacking us but it's these existential thoughts, it's traffic, it's an email, it's like a paper cut. The demons that we face are very real, but the story of Durga teaches us that we have all of the weaponry that we need. She had the weaponry to defeat the demon. We have this arsenal of weaponry to help kill any demon that we're faced with. And then as yogis, the most powerful weapon is your breath. And then you start to do a whole practice around it. So like that for a whole month. You know, it's a practice in storytelling, which is not easy. And it's a practice in creating um, like a, another world for other people to imagine, to see themselves as bigger than they already are. So that's a lot of what yoga, it's, that's another thing that's transformed a lot is that it's not just yoga, you know, it's not just the asana or meditation or doing the poses. It's all about showing you and showing all of these other people how they are so much bigger than they think. They have so much more capacity than they could ever know. And that, you know, we are so much more, there's so much more to each and every one of us than just meets the eye. And I think hearing that every so often helps you become not stuck in the patterns that you think you need to take. Anyway, long story short, I love to do stories and share them because this might be an insensitive thing to say, but almost everyone that comes to class is a white person and they eat it 
up. They're like, oh, du Durga stories from an Indian person? Incredible. I have to know. You must be the most, you have to know all the information, which I definitely don't. I have the comic book underneath the computer, and I'm flipping through the comic book because I'm teaching the stories. But anyway, humility is always a great quality to have, too. <laughs> Can I ask? Yeah, go ahead. So where do you see yourself in next five, 10 years? I think, I think what I, I, you are very attached to yoga. So what you want to take it to? Yeah. Um, there I want, I know that I want to keep teaching forever. So in the sense that even if it's not my full-time career, I know that offering and sharing yoga and keeping this going has been so fulfilling for me. And even if no one comes, I love sharing it as a skill set. But um, I want to start to create a small retreat center. There's a lot of people in the city, and I think the pandemic has made people um, reorganize where they live and why they live there. Because so many of my friends in the city um, moved here for a job. You know, and they're living in a small apartment, similarly to stories I'm sure you have heard, where they're just living for, um, like, it's, it's not a permanent place for them to be. So they're realizing that they want to move out into the country or be farther away from people or um, have more space to open space, which we're lucky enough to have a lot of here. So there's a lot of my yoga teacher friends and fitness friends who want to do just day retreats. Like one day, bring out a group of people, do some nature thing outside, have a nice meal, and then go back to the city to kind of have like a mental reset. So my hope and dream is to turn this space into a retreat center, like a small, um, not every day have someone here, but maybe once a weekend or once every few weeks, um, host people and be able to offer it as like a calm and healing place for friends. So that's the long, long-term plan. And then maybe it's, I've realized it's not very career driven, you know, it's much more like, what do I want my life to look like? How do I want to feel in five to 10 years? Like I want to feel stable. I want to feel loved. I want to feel surrounded by nature. I want to feel um, like I can take care of other people. I wish it, I, actually, I don't even wish that anymore. I think maybe if you asked me that question last year, I would probably, probably would have said, I wish I would be making this much money or like this degree under my belt or this job that I should be having. But it's pivoted and shifted a lot away from that. So, retreat center where everyone can come. Sure, we'll visit someday. <laughs> Rai, go ahead. You can unmute yourself. Um, so, uh, it's like little different question actually. Um, um, no doubt, Naren sir was always there with you. But what was the reaction of your family and your close relatives? when you uh, shared this relationship uh, of yours and Lean? 
so what was their reaction because in india people generally don't react it uh, to such type of relationships in a normal way they look at this in a very different uh, way so what was your reaction and how uh, you and sir faced uh, your relatives and your closed ones like they were reacted like they were reacting normally or what was their reaction well i think this question is the reason why i am like so proud to be his kid you know because I, as far as we know we didn't have any queer people in our family nobody who was out maybe there might have been but they might have hidden it so who knows um but i hid it from them for 7 years before i said anything you know because i was young i wasn't sure it wasn't i was like i'm just living my life um i don't know if this is how things are going to turn out and then there's like you said there is this societal pressure of being the kid of an indian parent who you never know what the reaction is going to be you always just hear the worst um but when i had told him i i told him when lin and i started dating because i was like you know this person is very important to me i can't hide this relationship or bring lin around just as a friend because that would be insulting and not fair for me to hide myself or to hide the importance of this person in my life um so i told him actually on a we were visiting my cousin and i told him on a train ride because he had asked me you know like who do you rely on for support or who do you talk to about difficult things and i was like well actually i'm dating this person named lin we're going to move in together this has been going on for a while and he said i already know so that was one thing where he had i don't know I'm sure it was true. I'm going to tell myself it was true and you didn't just say it for the sake of saying it. But, you know, parents are much more perceptive than you think and they know their kids even if um they might not have seen it when it was happening. In retrospect, so many signs can point to who makes your kid happy, how they move around in the world, when they um it when they, you know, feel like their truest self and they're not hiding things from you. So, I told him and he said he already knew. And then a few months later I told my mom who didn't react to it as well because she uh is she feels the societal pressure. You know, she feels what will people think of me when this is my daughter. But then she came around and she was like you're still the same person, nothing about you is different. you still have this full vibrant thriving life and what baba really did which i didn't realize until afterwards is he was living in india at the time or he moved to india and he told every single person in our family he said anisha is dating this person she's queer if and if you have a problem with it you tell me and do not say anything to her so he transformed from not just acceptance but to becoming an incredible advocate you know of like being the first line of defense so that i didn't have to experience any weird questions or any self doubt or any um, like shaming or shunning not it didn't happen you know there was one or two family members who um, they still aren't okay with it but 
I have come to a point in my life now where I'm like, they are missing out if they do not want to be a part of my life. If they have a problem with it, if these aunts and uncles are so concerned about their association with me, then they're loss, you know, because my, our life here with Baba, with Lynn, is so much bigger than what they could ever imagine. So it was not easy in the sense that it took a very long time for me to not only come to terms with it for myself, but also to share this big thing with your family because it's coming out, it's introducing your person to them in a society that like divorce is also not great, breaking up is not great. You, I just had the feeling that I don't want to introduce anyone to them unless I know this is for certain. And so there's also that pressure, like what if anything happens to me and Lynn and I did all this work for nothing? But it's important to share every up and down with the people who are closest to you. And that took a very long time to learn that you don't have to hide parts of yourself in order to make yourself feel perfect because no one is, nor yeah. will they ever be. <laughs> yeah, here's Raya's question. Yeah. Oh my God. Doubts all the time, every day, every single day. There is hundreds and thousands of doubts. And the three things that I do to help are, I go to therapy weekly because it is so helpful even if I don't have anything to say. Like there's some days where I'll just look at my therapist and we'll just stare at each other and be like, I got nothing today. And then there's other days where things just flow out. So normalizing therapy, going to therapy, having like a independent third party to talk to. And he has no investment in my life, you know, like he only wants me to feel better. So I pay him to listen to me talk about things that I don't, that my family or my friends might not want to hear. So therapy has been phenomenal. Um, yoga is the most stereotypical thing, but yoga makes me feel it, it, it doesn't make my mind go quiet or it doesn't make me forget about what my doubts are, but it's a form of therapy for me. You know, it makes me feel um, valuable, worthy, capable. It just re reinvigorates and reminds me that I'm more than just the doubts that are going on in my head. And then um, the third thing, I mean, it's so simple, but pets have changed my life. We have two dogs and taking care of something else and not centering myself all the time, you know, like um, because as an only child, as somebody who's grown up far away from family, it's very easy to be like, oh, I'm the center of all of my problems. Like everything is going wrong to me, but even just very simply having to feed and take care of your dog and make sure that they're okay. Same thing with kids or family, just re, um, reorienting my problems makes them feel a little smaller and more intense than they are. It doesn't make it go away, but it just helps lessen the impact that it has on me. But And, and then watching uh, Office Endless. Oh my God, yeah. There's like five TV shows that I've probably seen 400 times and I just watch them over and over and over again. Also TikTok. I don't know if you guys have TikTok yet. 
It's my quarantine vice. This is so unrelated and I'm sorry if it's like bottom of the barrel, but <laughs> it's um, there's a whole portal of incredible resources and social media, like as bad as social media is, it also helps you connect, especially during pandemic when people aren't close by, it helps you connect not just to your friends, but it helps you meet and see people who you don't even know yet to be like, I need to see things that I haven't seen yet in order to know that my world is bigger, you know, like, it's easy to get stuck in your own house. It's easy to get stuck in your own problems, but TikTok, the solution to self-doubt, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is nice. Any Great questions. Thank you for indulging, even if it wasn't <laughs> profound. <laughs> Have you guys done this yet with each other? No, no, we haven't done it together. Any other questions? Yeah, oh, one more. Anisha, so in any in near future, uh, are we getting privilege to learn yoga from you sometime in India? Yeah. No, no, you can learn it on Zoom. Yeah, you can do it on Zoom. You can actually learn from and okay. question from Rai. Follow up any moment that you would refer to as a turning point in your life? Not yet, but I know they're coming. <laughs> I'm hopeful that they are coming. I mean, there's small ones, but I don't think as of right now, I feel like I'm so in the thick of it as far as like figuring out how to make an impact during the pandemic, how to keep myself sustained during the pandemic, how to keep relationships going during the pandemic, because it's very different as much as I like to think it's normal. It's been a big adjustment to um, living during this time, you know, and it's noteworthy to remind ourselves that we are doing extraordinary things, even if we're just sitting on the couch like there's it's hard to remind yourself that it's um, you can't always be productive. Sometimes rest is very productive. Sometimes taking care of yourself is significantly more productive than crossing off to-do lists um, because the lists will always be there, but you might, you know, you're, you're not, you might not. That's not what I meant. <laughs> but, um, you know, you only have this one person and one body, so. We have to do everything that we can to try and take care of it so we can take care of each other. So that feels, I think that's a turning point, not trying to um, finish lists. Okay. But yeah, yoga, anytime. If you ever wanna to come to um, a class of mine that I teach, if, it's, if I don't set it up or something, just, if you find me on Instagram or WhatsApp, there's like seven or eight people that I can let into class um, bypassing the paywall. So you can just come and experience and be on video. Sometimes now when I take classes that I'm not teaching, I'll just sit down in bed and watch them as they teach and practice and I'm just listening to them. And even that is helpful to me, even if I'm not actually doing all the movements. <laughs> Mental yoga. 
Okay, um, so good. It's it's on the top of the hour. So um, Anisha, thanks a lot. Any last words? No, this was. Thank you for your time and your questions and attention. And as as uh, unnerving as it is to talk about your own life, it's nice. It's helpful. It's great. Thank you. All right. I'll see you nice on the other side. You. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, thanks a lot. Bye. A network should last a lifetime. Let us help you create lasting professional relationships with our world-class mentors through the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program. A strategic guidance program unlike no other, full of expert interviews, industry internship opportunities, CV writing, inflection point analysis, life maps and of course the gateway to your dream career. For a limited time only, all our services are freely available for you as we truly want you to succeed.